regular listening. It's good to see all of you. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. In verses 15 through 22, we read the text. Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful, and teach the way of God in truth, and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? And Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrite? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a Daenerys. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. This account, recorded in all the synoptics, asks this famous question and gives us the famous answer, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that belong to God. This is a picture of a coin from Gaius or Caligula time uh, from 37 to 41 AD. There are multitudes of these which have been discovered by archaeologists. And this issue of whether or not the Jewish people paid taxes to Caesar was a hot issue for over 100 years. Do you remember in Acts 5 when Gamaliel is telling those that would listen, he's telling those on the Sanhedrin to take a wait and see approach about Christians, let's don't do anything rash, don't do anything too quickly because if this is of God, we can't overcome it. He uses the example of Judas of Galilee. And Judas of Galilee arose and some followers came after him. That's Acts 5 verse 37. Judas of Galilee raised the contention against this tax. It was against this tax and he did not believe that Jews should pay this tax. Because Deuteronomy chapter 17 which said that one day Israel would have a king. In Deuteronomy 17 the text tells us that no foreigner was to rule over them. And he took it that we can't pay tribute here in God's land to a foreign king. And he said, any who did not stand against this tax were cowards. His movement 
wasn't as insignificant as Samaria acted like he was, though he did not. The movement kept alive, and it was responsible for the group that we speak of as the Zealots. It was an issue when Rome was destroyed in, or excuse me, Rome destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. It was an issue in the Jewish wars. Should we pay this tax to Caesar? And it became one of the moving issues in the rebellion of Bar Kokhba, which took place after New Testament times from 132 to 135 BC. Now, you might say, what are the objections? There were two basic objections that Jews had beyond what I've already stated. Beyond what we've already stated. First of all, it had an image of the ruler. It had the image of the ruler. And the warning against idolatry told Israel that they were not to make graven images. And so as a result of that, they were troubled by the picture but any more, even more troubled by the words. Anyone want to read those words for us? But the words declare Caesar to be a God. And it was blasphemy. There's no question about that. And so, Jesus is put by his opponents in what they think is a difficult position. Asking about this political hot potato and see how he responds. The Bible says the Pharisees, verse 15, were plotting together how they might trap him. Now, the Pharisees in verse 45, the Bible tells us they heard his parables, they understood he was speaking about them. They sought to seize him, but they feared the people because the people considered him to be a prophet. So the Pharisees are doing this plotting. They don't actually come to Jesus. Notice in verse 16, they sent their disciples. Maybe if we send our, our younger people, uh, our, our disciples, it may look may it more innocent. But, but they're associating too with the Herodians. Now we really don't know about the Herodians outside the New Testament. There's a, there's a reference one time in Josephus that seems to refer to the same group by a different name. But just as the name Christian shows people's loyalty to Christ, the name Herodian would show their loyalty 
loyalty to Herod who ruled because Rome gave him that authority. If the Pharisees wouldn't have liked this tax, the Pharisees would have been a kind of sympathetic with the zealot view. We were not crazy about paying this tax. The Herodians would have thought, yes, we need to pay it. And isn't it strange how oftentimes false religion makes strange bedfellows? That the people who wouldn't get along can come together against Jesus. And if you find yourself working side by side with a person who rejects most of the things you believe, it may be, maybe it's an indication you're doing something wrong here. Maybe the Pharisees should have thought that. But, but I would say too that the Pharisees' hypocrisy shines through as brightly here as any place. Because look at how they address Jesus. Their words that they speak are true. But the words that they speak condemn them for not following him. They said, teacher. Now, while some point out that teacher is an inadequate title for Jesus... It's going to be used by the Sadducees in verse 24 of Matthew 22. It's going to be used by the, uh, the, by the Pharisee in verse 36 when he says, Teacher, what is the great commandment? Uh, which uh, was read just a moment, Tim read just a moment ago. They address him as teacher. And some point out that it's often unbelievers who address Jesus as teacher. And there is truth in that. But, but also this is a true title of Jesus. For example, if you look over in Matthew 26 and verse 18, Jesus sends his disciples into town and he says, go, into, go to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says... My time is near, and I'm going to keep the Passover at your house. Sometimes people use that term teacher inadequately, but he is preeminently the teacher. And on that last night, as he was keeping the Passover, and he rises from supper, he washes his disciples' feet. He says, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. John 13, verses 13 and 14. But I want you to see how the Pharisees' own words, the Romans' own words, condemn them for not listening to him. Teacher, we know, we know. Do you remember when Jesus said, Is the baptism of John from heaven or me? They said, I don't know. In verse 27 in Matthew 21. Now they use the same word and said, We know, we know that you are truthful and you teach the way of God in truth. You teach the way of God. Jesus said, You know where I am going and you know the way. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? the way. Jesus said, I am 
the way and the truth and the life. He uses two of the terms used right here. He is the way. He is the truth. Jesus does teach the way of God in truth. And he says, you defer to no one. You're not partial to anyone. And that is true of Jesus. Salvation is open to Jew and Gentile. As Peter said, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that worships, fears him, and worships him, is acceptable to him. That's not a direct quote, Acts 10, 34 and 35. Uh, Romans 2.11 says the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. He is no respecter of persons. What is if they pay attention to their own words, that would have made a big difference. All these things they acknowledge about Jesus are true. But you know what they're trying to do? Oh, Jesus, we, we know you're not like some. We, we know that you don't bow down because of people just because of their position and just because of their authority. You're not going to tell us to pay taxes to Caesar. We know you're not afraid of Caesar. And when Jesus doesn't answer their question, we'll they will ask him to They will still accuse him of what he didn't say in Luke 23 verse They are hypocrites. And they are liars. Is it lawful to have taxes to Caesar? It's not a bad question. But it's a bad moment. And in their flattery for him, they're simply trying to spread a net for him. As Proverbs 29, verse 5 talks about. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he says, show me a Daenerys. And they showed him a Daenerys. Something like this. This was a little bit after Jesus' time. They show him something like this. And he said, whose inscription is on it? Whose picture is this, in other words? And they said, Caesar. And he says, Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. And God the things that belong to God. Some point out that the Herodians would be concerned about paying taxes to Caesar. And Jesus answered their concern. The Pharisees would have been concerned about greater devotion to God. And Jesus answers their concern. But Jesus is doing more than giving a favorable answer to these two people who don't want, two groups who don't want to hear the truth anyway. He is rendering a profound principle that left even those wicked people who questioned him 
in amazement. As you look at verse 22, it says, they were amazed. Who is the they? It seems like the they are those who came asking the question. They're amazed at the profound answer that he has given. Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. What does this text tell us? Reading passages across the Bible emphasize to us that the reason God establishes government, the purpose of them, is to punish the evildoer and to praise the person who does well. What Romans 13 verses 3 and 4 say is what 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14 states. Psalm 72, the Old Testament, a psalm addressed to the king from the line of David, one of the two psalms attributed to Solomon, says the same thing. It says, may God vindicate, may the king, excuse me, he, may he vindicate the afflicted of the people and save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. The purpose of the king of Israel was to save those who are needy and afflicted, to rescue those who are innocent, who put their trust in God and to crush the oppressor. That's exactly the same thing. It's Romans 13, verses 3 and 4. In verse 3 of chapter 2, in verse 14. And when government is doing this, they are a minister of God. And Romans 13, verses 3 and 4 say, Is it lawful to go to Caesar? It's a little hypocritical to accept Caesar's coin to take and use them as medium exchange. To say we're going to accept, accept the blessings of the government, but not pay taxes. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. We had not been married very long. There came a person in the congregation I was preaching for a short time who wanted to talk with me privately. And he said what he wanted to talk with me about was he was going to convince me her daughter that it was wrong to take that. And I said, I'll tell you what, you give it your best shot. Because I hope that you can present a pretty compelling argument. <laughs> but it seems like there's some pretty strong passages that you're going to have to get over in order to come to that position 
In Romans 13, let's just read the first seven verses. Every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities. For there is no authority itself from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who oppose will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing, render to all what is their due, what is due them, tax to whom tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. This doesn't tell us what the tax rate all to be. But it does say pay taxes, render to all what is due, tax to whom tax is due. And so the answer in Jesus, and the answer in Paul, who is inspired of the Spirit of Jesus is yes. That's not all the New Testament says on this subject. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, as it talks about rulers, in 1 Timothy 2, the Bible says, First of all, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings, for all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, to pray for the leaders, the leaders of our world, the leaders of our land, local and uh, ones that aren't local, pray for them. Why? That we may lead a tranquil and quiet life with all dignity, with all honesty. That we may go about our business in quiet fashion serving the Lord. Pray for them to that end. But also by connecting this to the fact that God desires all men to be saved, what more could we pray for leaders that they rule in such a way that the doors are open for the spread of the gospel? I can remember when I was growing up, people praying prayers and asking that God 
would open up doors, open up doors that were closed to the preaching of the doors were closed to the preaching of his word. I can remember those prayers being prayed. Coming back from church services to see the Berlin Wall. We take it now. In places where people could not go before to preach the word were suddenly open. And many got to take advantage of that. And to spread the word to nations that seem hopelessly lost in darkness. There are nations today that are closed to that. Closed to the spread of his word. Pray for these leaders that doors might be opened in all nations. In the North Koreas of the world. In the Muslim nations of the world. Pray that doors might be open. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just answer. Is it right? He said, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that belong to God. There is a greater allegiance, a greater commitment, a greater devotion that we have. And that allegiance and that devotion is to God. Remember the question that was asked? Whose image and inscription is on this coin? Or whose likeness and inscription is on that coin? You know that word likeness and that word image is the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the main Greek translation of the Old Testament, when the Bible tells us that God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. These coins may bear the image of Caesar. But each of us bears the image of God. Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. But render to God the things that belong to God. There is a devotion that we have to God that supersedes all other loyalties. All other loyalties. Why is it that some governments of the world sought to stifle Christianity when you're told to follow their leader, Jesus, and pay taxes and pray for the leaders? Because some of them demand that the state be the object of highest allegiance. And that, from our standpoint, can never, ever be true. Render to Caesar the things that belong 
belong to Caesar and to God the things that belong to God. He is, we are in His image and we bear His likeness. And He is our ultimate cause. He is our ultimate object of loyalty. We read Romans 13 a moment ago. And Romans 13 talked about the government as a minister of God. But when government demands that their rulers be worshipped as God, as the Romans said, then this same government is pictured as a beast from the sea in the book of Revelation. And you, all of these passages, what they have in common, if you jot them down and if you look them up, all of them will use the word image. All of them use the word image. The same word that was used about the image on the coin. And all of them tell us that they could not worship the image of the beast. For example, in Revelation 13 and verse 15, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And he provided that no one was able to buy or sell except the one who, was, who has the mark, the number of the beast, and the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. The point is, if it comes to a decision between showing your allegiance to Caesar and showing your allegiance to God, The Christian must not bow. It is throughout the Bible. In Exodus 1, the Pharaoh speaks to the Hebrew midwives and says to them, if a Hebrew boy is born or if it's a girl, let it live. But they feared God. And their fear of God led them not to destroy the Hebrew boys. They weren't going to kill these children. For they knew that they were in the image of God. It is remarkable that we debate the name of Pharaoh, of the Exodus, but we know the name of the Hebrew midwife. In Exodus 1. Or we can think of a king who built a statue 90 foot high and 9 foot wide and demanded when all his subjects heard the sound of the instruments playing that they bow down and worship the image that he set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. It is safe the king's attention. But some of the servants, jealous of them, called it to the king's attention. They said, they don't pay any attention to you. They disregard your words. The king calls 
calls them in for another hearing. And said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to be gracious to you. If you'll fall down when you hear the musical instrument and you worship, then all's going to be forgiven and forgotten. But if you don't, I'm going to cast you in the midst of the fiery furnace. And what God is there who can deliver from my hand? And they said, oh king, we're not careful to answer you in regard to this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down or worship the image which you have set up. We're not going to do that. They were cast in the midst of the furnace. Furnace of burning fire. And they were preserved. As Daniel was preserved from the lion's den. In Daniel chapter 6. Because he prayed to his God. And when the apostles were told to quit speaking in the name of Jesus. They said if it's better for us to listen to you than God. You be the judge of that. But we're going to keep speaking what we have seen. And heard. Oh God. To be like that. I have a couple of times mentioned when it comes to bowing before Caesar or bowing before Christ, the Christians could not bow. Some of you may think that's just kind of an illustration. That was the real life toy that many in the first century and shortly thereafter faith. One of them that is very well known is Polycarp who had been a disciple, it is said, of the Apostle John in his latter years. This account comes from around February of 156 A.D. Polycarp, as he will mention in this dialogue, is 86 years old at this time. He is brought to the theater as he is being brought. He is being told by those who are carrying what harm will it Offer a pitch of incense. Say, Caesar is Lord. He says, I'm not going to do this. They continued to treat him roughly, encourage, encouraging him at some points to do this and then mocking him for not doing it. Swear by the genius of Caesar, they say. The magistrate said, revile Christ and we will let you go. He said, for 86 years, I have done it. I have been his servant. He has never done me wrong. 
How can I blaspheme my King who saved me? He refused to worship Caesar. He was willing to pay his taxes. But he would not worship him. He would not proclaim him God. And for that, he was killed. Pay your taxes. Pray for leaders. Render to God what is God. He gave you life. He gave you breath. He gave us everything. And He gave everything for us. Remember, these words are spoken on the week that Jesus would die for us. As I said before, God help us. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, awesome you are, how majestic you are. We are created in your image, in your likeness. Lord, may it be only before you that we bow. May you be our deepest longing, our greatest desire. May you be our life, our joy, our all. May we fulfill to all leaders and all those around us our responsibilities to them that why we do it in light of our greater loyalty to you help us oh god to remember what these early christians experienced to remember the commitment of their life and to remember what a glorious home you have prepared for them, for us, for all who will follow their example. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Lord willing, on Tuesday night at 7, we want to try to study Psalm 87. Tuesday night at 7. Every person here, every person you ever encounter is created in His image. His image in His likeness.
Thank you. 